0: So on the previous recording, I spoke about how what climate effects are being happening and how it looks like and what it feels like currently in uh, different parts of the world. And I spoke of Karachi, actually, Karachi, Pakistan. And this time, if technology keeps up, (laughs) I'm going to talk about an article that I found that was in the Guardian again. This time came out December 9th and authored by Angeli Mercado. The title of it is Frost, Heat Waves, and Wildfires. The climate crisis is hitting the wine industry hard. Now, do you remember, in the previous, record, in previous uh, recording, we were in Karachi. So today, we're going to talk about a different part of the world. <clears throat> and there's a reason I pick it. Um... Most people associate the United States with all kinds of things, from technology to Hollywood and New York, and every once in a while something else gets thrown in. But there's a very large agricultural industry, and it has to be large because the country is huge, and so is the nation, I like to say it, sorry. (laughs) But here's an article for you, and it talks about Oregon. Oregon, as you may have heard of the city of Portland, and you may joke about whether it's pronounced Oregon or Oregon. But until those higher discussions take place, here's an article referring to climate. And it's focusing on the wine industry and how it's been affected. As the climate crisis intensifies, the wine industry is increasingly vulnerable and growers across the world are scrambling to find solutions. Summer 2020 was a rough year for Hope world Wines owner, Mimi Castile, Wildfires spread throughout Oregon, not far from land that she leased to grow more than 20 acres of grapes. The smoke was so bad she had to disable the fire alarms in her home. A gray cloud loomed in the distance for days. The fires were not super close, but we were severe enough. Burned long enough that we were in very thick smoke for more than a week. Castile said, at the time, she was selling about 80% of the fruit she grew, but last year's wildfire caused smoke taint, where grapes absorb smoke, affecting the quality of wine they produce. She lost all of her big clients, she said. They walked out on their contracts. Castile had no smoke insurance to cover these losses, which she estimated to about $300,000. In the 1960s, when Oregon's wine industry started to grow significantly, The historically temperate state seemed like the ideal place for growing grapes for a variety of wines, such as Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. But, said Castile, almost as soon as that identity was starting to be recognized, we were facing a loss of that. The impacts of the climate crisis are making the industry much more precarious. The total area burned during the 2020 wildfire season was among the largest in Oregon's recorded history. According to the Oregon Climate Assessment published in January, the report projected that temperatures would continue to increase and wildfires would get bigger. It's a story that's playing out globally. Grapes for wine making are grown across the world, including countries in Europe, South America, and Africa. But as the climate crisis intensifies, bringing increasingly severe wildfires, warmer summers, milder winters, as well as unpredictable frosts and rainfall, it is changing wine production. Grapes are among the most sensitive crops to climate changes. For some producers, warming temperatures have been advantages, at least in the short term. Changing rain patterns, earlier springs and droughts are starting to push wine production towards the poles. There are vineyards as far north as Norway's flatdal region, and vineyards in countries such as England have been thriving as Europe experiences warming temperatures. However, For many wine growers, the climate crisis is making life much harder. If temperatures rise too quickly, grapes will ripen faster than usual, affecting the flavor of the wine. If temperatures plunge, it can devastate vineyards, destroying buds, reducing yields and even killing the vines. Premium grapes for high-end wine, in particular, flourish in a very narrow range of weather conditions. Nedad Trifunovic, the director of business development at Croatian wine and beer retailer The Wine and More, said making wine is part of his region's cultural heritage. The Balkan Peninsula has been producing wine for more than 2,000 years. Growers used to rely on regular seasonal changes and rainfall patterns, but that's changed. Trifunovic said, this part summer... This past summer, countries across the Balkan Peninsula, including Croatia, experienced heat waves that lasted longer than they have historically. The climate crisis will also increase the frequency of droughts in Croatia, according to a 2021 study, which Trifunovic says is a challenge as growers in the country scramble to work around changing precipitation patterns. Even the oldest of vineyards are struggling with an abundance of heat and lack of rain, he said. Diana Snowden Sices is based in Burgundy, one of France's most well-known wine-growing regions, where she works with her father-in-law making wine at Domaine du Jacques. Her family owns and runs Snowden Wines in Napa Valley. Last year, her family's vineyards in California lost about half of its production to smoke taint caused by wildfires in the area, and producers in Burgundy saw an early spring that was followed by unseasonable frosts that damaged grapes on the vine. Domaine du Jacques also lost some of its grape crop to the frost. Wine production in France is expected to drop by almost 30% this year. Snowden Saces estimated that some of the vineyards around her lost about half of their grapes to the frost. The frost was an agricultural disaster and a natural disaster, she said, adding. So it's not just heat, it's erratic weather patterns. Winemakers in the region are considering making changes in how they work with vines in the hope of saving future harvests, said Snowden-Syses. She described how some growers let a long shoot grow on the vine and once growers know that spring has officially started and the frosts won't come back, the top of the shoot is cut off. This method can slow down the vine's growth so that fewer potential buds are lost to the frost. Snowden-Syses also, said that Domaine du Jacques is looking to plant fruit trees to provide better shade and humidity to protect grapes during unseasonably hot days. But there are challenges to implementing that method. Burgundy's vineyards are UNESCO protected, said Snowden Cysis. We have to ask for authorization for every single tree because it was not there before for UNESCO protection. But historically, historically there were fruit trees. In Oregon, Castile has changed her setup too. She has downsized the vineyard to only two and a half acres to ensure that the work needed to grow and then harvest the grapes can be done quickly. She has also invested in smoke insurance after seeing how vulnerable Pinot Noir grapes are to smoke taint. Castile plans to turn her efforts towards white wine varieties. The scale of business is just altogether much smaller, she said. Climate-focused wine groups have sprung up in recent years to help producers in the industry navigate climate issues. The Porto Protocol, an international non-profit that aims to make the wine industry more sustainable, gives its members access to resources for tackling climate problems. Members can also learn from others, said Marta Mendonza, the manager at Porto Protocol. Those living in areas which have long experienced dry seasons and water scarcity, for example, can advice on irrigation methods or varieties of grapes that can thrive with less precipitation. There is no time nor resources to lose when it comes to fighting climate change. We have to fight as an industry collectively and collaboratively, Mendoza said. Right, well, we talk about open source when it comes to technology, and uh, here we are talking about people who are doing a... a well, you know, some people will say it's a commodity, but a lot of the new growers have smaller scale farms. And um, in particular in Europe, a lot of the times you need uh, actual labor to go and uh, take care of things. And um, it's it's a very fragile environment. To have smoke taint is, is actually much more of a disaster than when uh, it's, uh, I mean, what you could really emphasize on, on how dramatic this is to be a producer of a product of which the livelihood is dependent on and uh, suddenly to have a zero return or close to zero. Now, in agriculture, people do have these experiences and one would say that it happens. But still, I mean, there's no uh, kind or easy way here. It's a very tough challenge. Um, I think the fact that we're opening up when it comes to uh, irrigation solutions and so forth probably smaller scales, what to grow around it, not just just grow one type of crop. These are all very traditional methods that have been somewhat forgotten or lost, uh, which are coming back. And I fully think that that last sentence with which uh, this article is closed, there is no time nor resources to lose when it comes to fighting climate change. Uh, We have to fight as an industry collectively and collaboratively. Mendonca is the one who authored this, the lady from the or the woman, or the man, I'm not sure actually, from the Porto Protocol. Oh, it's a woman, sorry, Marta Mendonca. Um, I think that's part of the good thing of what's happening with this uh, raising of awareness, is that a lot of people are realizing we have solutions. Uh, if we actually spoke to each other and found out what people are doing on the other side of the planet um, with similar problems, we could definitely find ways to adjust or try to make the pain a little uh, less and uh, find solutions that would make the next 5 to 10 years economically sustainable, uh, so that farmers can keep farming, for example. Thank you very much for listening, and until the next recording.